welcome to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. They get the credit, we ask the questions. This is Credit Hour. Hi, I'm Michael Ewald, host of Credit Hour. Today we interview Dan Engelbretson, Chair of the Department of Biomedical Engineering and Director of the Gear Center in Sioux Falls. Dan speaks to us about the history of biomedical engineering at USD, how the field shapes our lives, and what's next for the program at USD. Dan, how's it going today? That's going very well, Michael. Dan, you are the chair of biomedical engineering, um, also the director of the Gear Lab. Um, can you just explain, maybe for our audience that isn't familiar with the Gear Center, you know what it is, what purpose it serves, maybe at USD? Oh yeah, the, well the Gear, the acronym is Graduate Education and Applied Research Center, and so this really is uh, an intersection of academic research with industry, because here on the, the second floor of the Gear Center, that's the home of USD's biomedical engineering department. Uh, on the first floor is a business incubator. And so the, the Gear Center is jointly managed uh, with USD and uh, the Zeal Center for Entrepreneurship, which is a uh, incubator just a couple miles down the road. Uh, so we've got uh, students and faculty from academia that are just bumping into and having coffee with uh, uh, researchers and industry, and it's just a great way to take ideas both from industry into academia and academia into industry. It's just an intersection of research. You know, what maybe, um, are there there any specific uh, research projects going on right now that are kind of exciting? Oh, the the list is long. (laughs) Um, uh, A couple that pop uh, into my head are uh, a project that we're doing uh, with uh, Dr. Pat Kelly, who's a vascular surgeon over at, uh, at Sanford Health. Uh, and it is a project uh, to create the next generation of drug-coated balloons, which has kind of emerged as the uh, preferred treatment for peripheral artery disease, which is the uh, restriction of blood flow to the legs results in can result in amputations, heart attacks, those sorts of things. Uh, But a few years ago, one of our faculty uh, in biomedical engineering uh, came up with this idea for a a new way to coat drugs onto balloons so that we can better treat that disease of peripheral artery disease. And and Pat Kelly uh, helped shape and influence uh, the direction of that research. Uh, And it's been been very successful. Uh, We've just recently, uh, me along with a couple of graduate students here actually have have started a company tailored medical devices uh, to uh, translate that technology out of university uh, into industry again in partnership with the the surgeons so again the surgeons provide us with that 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 real problem that they're seeing in their clinics and we can help develop solutions to treat those real problems Uh, along the way we've got new companies being created for for our, our graduates of the program uh, and it's a, it's a great thing. Well, and maybe to take a step back, I mean, is that maybe a good definition of biomedical engineering? What is biomedical engineering? Yeah, that, the, I think that is a, a great example, at least of the biomedical engineering that we do here at, at USD. Uh, when you look at USD and the sciences as a whole, materials is really kind of one of the, the emphases uh, that we have. And the, the chemistry department has a strong uh, uh, materials emphasis. They actually have a PhD in materials chemistry. Uh, in physics, with all the work they're doing in the underground lab, developing new sensors and detectors for that, again, a strength in materials. And so when we launched the biomedical engineering 
department, we decided to stay with that strength of USDA materials. Now, here in biomedical engineering, we're applying the materials into biomedical applications. So that example of drug-coated balloons, but we're also uh, making new materials that can be used to help bones heal. Uh, bones are a really cool tissue in that they do heal. They do regenerate when the breaks are small. But if you have big damage, uh, either from a cancer resection that had to occur or uh, somebody in the military uh, with an uh, explosive device, uh, the body can't heal those critical size defects is what they're called. And so we've got researchers here that are making scaffolds that you can put into those critical size defects that have the right mechanical properties and chemical properties and biological properties so the body can grow into those uh, those damaged areas, ultimately replacing that synthetic scaffold with just natural bone tissue. So really empowering the body's healing to expand its capabilities. That's really interesting. You know, I, how much are you know, the students themselves getting to, you know, kind of get their hands dirty as far as the research. I mean, how much is this is driven, I guess, by the professionals and how much is it, you know, do the students get to participate? Oh, particularly at the graduate level, um, uh, if a faculty member is being honest, they would say the students are doing all of the work. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> at least from my personal example, I, th I think they, uh, they, they they try to keep me out of the lab uh, from, from from doing anything. But no, the, the at, at the graduate level, students are doing a tremendous amount of the of the work. And yeah, you know, just back to the example with the drug coated balloon, there was there was no question when it was time to move that from the research bench into a to a company yeah uh jordan and sujan were the were the right people to help do that you know maybe we should talk about the specific um you know degrees you can get in biomedical engineering here at usd there's also certificate programs mm -hmm. i'm curious if you can maybe explain the difference between what the associate of science um you know would bring someone in this field and why the certificate programs are important yep yep um well biomedical engineering at usd started off as a graduate only program you know, about 12, 13 years okay. ago, uh, and uh, in part to support our graduate program, but perhaps most importantly to support uh, the emerging biotech, medtech economy that we have here in Sioux Falls, wanted to build some undergraduate programming so that we can just get the workforce, uh, so we can see that part of the economy grow. Uh, and uh, that's where this the certificate uh, programs really come into play there. Uh, so I had worked with uh, leaders at SAB, Biotherapeutics, Alumen, some of the other med tech and biotech companies that we have here, just to kind of see what they're going to need for skills so that people can join their teams prepared to do what they need them to do. And that's what led to our certificate in laboratory science, which is really kind of preparing people, uh, giving them a, a, a sound scientific base, uh, but then also adding in some of the unique aspects of working with materials that are going to be used in people. Uh, there's a particular ways that have to be manufactured and those sorts of things. So that's what the Certificate in Laboratory Sciences is aimed towards. Our Certificate in Regulatory Affairs is helping to identify what's going to be the best way to move that idea from the bench through the FDA's process of approving things for, for, for use in people. And that's where the, the regulatory affairs certificate comes in. All the courses in the laboratory science and regulatory affairs certificate stack into our associate's degree in integrated science. Uh, one of the things that has become uh, apparent to me 
uh, in biomedical engineering, but also looking at what's happening at, at other institutions across the country and really being driven by a report uh, from the National Research Council back in the late 2000s. Uh, that report is, I think, titled something like the, the New Biology, but recognizing that a lot of the problems that we're facing uh, in all fields, medicine just being one of them, uh, but it's not, the problems can't be solved within a single scientific discipline. It's not a chemistry problem. It's not a biology problem. It's not a physics problem. Again, going back to the example I gave of the, the bone tissue engineering, we've got to make sure that those scaffolds match the physical properties of the of of the bone that they're replacing, that they are chemically compatible uh, with the the environment, and that the biology is compatible, so that cells are going to want to grow into them and uh, ultimately replace them. And so that's where this notion of integrated science comes in. So it's a it's a it, the foundation of integrated science curriculum is a is a three core sequence where we're blending together. Uh, chemistry, biology, and physics, laying that on a foundation of math uh, so that students have that knowledge base uh, so they can start to apply that to solve these critical problems that we're facing. You know, what, what's the next step after, you know, an associate degree in integrated science? Right. Um, you know, do these credits, you know, can they be counted to an eventual bachelor's degree? Yep. And, and, and the, the bachelor's degree in biomedical, we, we, we call it an associate's degree in integrated science rather than an associate's yeah. degree in biomedical engineering because there, there's no engineering that's kind of part of that first two years of courses right. in the associate's degree. Uh, so the associate's degree in integrated science is really packages up your science courses that will be part of a bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering. Uh, this last, uh, I guess it was during the spring, one of the Board of Regents meetings, they approved our intent to plan with the School of Mines for a bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering. Uh, so we're working with them on the paperwork through the system uh, with our goal of having a bachelor's in biomedical engineering that's starting, uh, it'll be probably in the spring semester of 2019 it would be, or the spring or fall of 2019. Uh, so we'll have then the, the, the nonstop shop, if you will, from a certificate uh, through the associates, they all, they all stack into the bachelor's, uh, master's, and PhD. You know, what are some you know jobs that a graduate with a you know certificate um, can get, or even you know a, a eventual bachelor's degree? Like, what 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 could I do with you know that that specific um, concentration? What would maybe a job look like? Yeah. Um, incredibly varied. Is probably the best answer for that, <laughs> right? right. Um, uh, because in, in in biomedical engineering, it's a unique field because, and and our curriculum reflects that those those different opportunities. If you're a person who likes your hands being wet, uh, right. working in the lab, you're going to be well prepared for doing that because we've got a, a strong. Uh, laboratory component uh, in the in the bachelor's degree, but also if you're a person who's more interested in uh, even on things like public policy, that's that's where the regulatory affairs path right. can start to come in. How 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 do we take this idea, make sure that we're going to that it's going to result in a device or a treatment that'll get uh, funded by Medicare or Medicaid? Because if Medicare or Medicaid won't pay for a new device, there's no way an insurance company is going to pay for it. And so, in biomedical engineering, you're not limited to just working in in the lab. Uh, mm -hmm. you, there's there, there's definitely uh, important roles for people who are good communicators, uh, who have interest in public policy. While it's got an engineering title to it, it in my opinion, it's probably one of the most liberal arts 
uh, sorts of degrees that there is because there's so much that you can do and so much that we have to work into it. Well, and I think that's you know a unique part of what you all do up here is the kind of cross disciplinary nature of it, but also you combine you know like you said communications business right is oh, a yeah. huge um, I think focus of what you do the expertise that you know the business world provides in, in terms of just maybe developing products that you know people are going to want and, and you know I, I think the phrase that we often use is you know getting it from the idea to the marketplace um, and the you know often difficult steps that that, mm-hmm. that requires. How much is that a focus at, at USD, um, and how does that process actually work? But, but, well, I would say that's that's beyond the focus of what we do here in biomedical engineering. That was actually one of my goals when I started the uh, the, the the graduate program, uh, uh, and and wanted to have the Gear Center where we've got academia interfacing with industry. Um, I've, I've I've shared many times that my my dream is that uh, our Graduates will walk across the stage and uh, shake President Gestring's hand and, and come over to me and get their keys right. <laughs> uh, for the for the for the business that they created, uh, and uh, and we've had actually a great deal of success in that. Uh, uh, when you look at the governor's giant vision business plan competition, look back mm-hmm. over the past few years, um, uh, we've had I see Sue Lancaster has has won two awards. Uh, and Sue was a, a master's student out of our program. Uh, Tyler Raymond, who was a PhD student, has won an award. Greg Birch uh, has won an award. Another one of our uh, recent graduates, uh, Tailored Medical Devices, uh, was uh, part of this year's Giant Vision Business Plan competition. I think it was in the second or third year of the Giant Vision Business Plan competition. I was one of the recipients of it. So, so we're we're creating the companies. We're trying to to with you. you USD's biomedical engineering department is reshaping the economy of Sioux Falls. Uh, and I think that's, you know, the exciting, you know, part of another exciting part, I guess, is the success that, you know, this small pocket of research has already had. I know a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, some anchor tenants in a, in a new facility that's being developed here were just announced. When, I guess, did the Gear Center develop? You talked about the graduate programs being developed maybe 12, 13 years ago. Um, when did we actually get the physical structure of the Gear Center? The the, the, the Gear Center, we, we moved into the Gear Center in 2009. Okay. Uh, kind of some of the, the early concepts of it probably started back in the 2004, 2005 uh, range when uh, President uh, Abbott was working with uh, then Senator Daschle uh, to to with a vision of what uh, research and development, USD research and development, might look like uh, in Sioux Falls. Uh, so that was kind of the, probably the foundation in the early 2000s. There, I mean. You know, one of the unique aspects, I think, and, you know, we talked about this before we um, started recording the podcast, but we came up here about a, a year ago, um, and you let us kind of go into the current good manufacturing practice lab, mm-hmm. which was really fun for, for us to kind of, like, get in the suits. Did, did you keep your moon suits? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it was it was like, it, it was a unique experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said this, I mean, it was something that I don't think was an option when I graduated high school. I was interested in the sciences, but, you know... Those kind of you know cool um, you know, stuff that you see in movies mm-hmm. was not maybe happening you know at, at our college campuses. I don't know if you can maybe just explain what is a current good manufacturing practice lab and why it why is it important. Right. Well, 
any drug or device uh, that the FDA is going to approve uh, has to be manufactured following current good manufacturing practices. It's a, it's a set of regulations that the FDA has, and that's what CGMP uh, stands for. And uh, the facility that we have downstairs is a very clean, sterile environment. So we actually, in the GMP lab where, where, that, that you went into about a year ago, that is really designed for making things that are going to be implanted into people uh, or, or drugs that are going to be injected uh, into people. Because there's, there's other GMPs, good manufacturing practices, that get applied if you're, you still have to use CGMP when you're making crutches. But right. obviously you're not going to, we're not going to insert the crutch into people. Right. Um, uh, and so we look at that kind of that specific subset of CGMP for things that are going to be Im- Im- implanted or injected into people. And so that very clean environment, that sterile environment, so that things that you're made that are made in there uh, don't need a, a subsequent round of sterilization and those sorts of things. You know, does that experience, do you think that helps our graduates when they yes. go out into the workforce? Fo- yeah. Um, you know, what kind of techniques do you have to use? I mean, what 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 does that process involve, you know, from the trying to get into the suit to, to when you have to wash your hands afterwards? Yeah. Well, uh, well first, I, I, I want to go back to my, 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 does this help the graduate students? The, the answer to that is yes. Uh, and, um, I don't know if it's all, but at least most all of our graduates, most all of our graduates have gone to work in industry. Uh, and uh, we've only had the GMP lab for uh, the past few years. And the, and the one complaint I've heard about from, from most of our previous graduates was, why didn't you have that when I was there? Because these are the sorts of things that everybody ends up doing. Now, they might not be actually working in the lab, but they still need to manage, oversee, and, and understand those CGMP processes, and so uh, it's it's a it's a great uh, resume builder uh, to have on your uh, CV when you're going out looking for a job. To be able to say I've actually worked in a CGMP facility. That's what that, that's a uh, very much a separating factor uh, for our our folks. And now, in terms of actually the training that goes into uh, working in the space, there there is. Lots and lots of documentation that goes on, <laughs> and, and it's 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 kind of funny. I, um, uh, the time that you guys went in, uh, we were in between cycles, and so we didn't have to have you fully trained right. and in things in the gown requirements. But it is it's kind of funny because because there's a a standard operating procedure for how you get dressed, right? Because all all of the clothing. Uh, well, is, and we got a little bit of that. That's why I thought it was so unique. Oh yeah, because yeah. yeah, because everything starts off inside out, and right. as you're putting your clothes, that's because we don't want any <laughs> bacteria or anything on the outside of what's going to ultimately be the outside of the of the garments when you're in right. there. So, so your clothes are all inside out that you're starting with. They they've been sterilized and cleaned and sterilized and ready to go. And so you've got to be very careful as you're putting on that you're only ever touching the inside of the pants and the lab coat and the, the moon suit that goes on just so we don't have bacteria that ends up on the outside. And then when you're done working in the space, uh, somebody will meet you down there before you leave and sample you to see if you've got any bacteria or anything that, 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 that shows up on you 
uh, and, and the other, so, so you, you do get to relearn how to dress. Right. <laughs> I uh, thought we figured that out back in like, you know, when we yeah. were two or so. But. Well, and I think it's just, you know, because that's like the type of thing when you think going into a job might seem simple, but that is the difference between, you know, kind of being able to take charge and just, you know, starting at kind of the basics yeah. is a, a, something as simple as how you do that, right? right. Um, you know, to switch dir- directions a little bit, I'm kind of curious what your commentary would be on, you know, just just where we're at with medical discovery in, in general, right? How close are we to um, maybe finding cures for some of the, you know, medical problems that really plague, you know, at least our modern society, right? Things like cancer, um, HIV, AIDS. I mean, wh- where are we at? You know, and I don't know if this is totally your area, but I, I'm just kind of curious, you know, as kind of a leader of a facility that does, you know, groundbreaking research, like, are we optimistic that, that we're going to be able to find, you know, cures for a lot of this stuff soon? Or, or what do you think? We're always optimistic. Um, but I think everything gets slowed down because we're far more complicated than we think we are. Mm. Um, and just as an example for that, uh, it was back in the, the, the mid-90s. Um, it was it was headline news then when uh, researchers discovered uh, two genes that had been linked to breast cancer, breast cancer BRCA one and BRCA two was what they ended up naming the the two genes. And kind of the headlines at that time was, well, now we know the cause of breast cancer, so we'll we'll be able to develop the treatment for it. Um, we still don't have a treatment for it. Yeah, you know, that was that was that was over twenty years ago because what they realized then was that or. I think the, the understanding of genetics then was more limited, and we thought that there's one gene and there's one disease. Well, no, only about 5% of breast cancer sufferers have either of those two genes. I, I might be getting the numbers, the percentages rather, but not a lot have right. either of those. There's lots of other causes of breast cancer. And so um, as we've realized just every day, I think we learn more and more about how complex... <laughs> the human bodies that makes it harder and harder to actually accomplish those cures or treatments. Our cures, our our treatments have gotten better and better and better because we've understand, because we understand more about the personal nature of disease and things. Uh, And, uh, and that's clearly where we're seeing uh, advances that are happening. Uh, You know, both uh, Sanford and Avera have, have strong personalized medicine uh, approaches that they're going on. You're probably seeing a shift in the industry. It used to be the when you when you looked at at the pharmaceutical industry, they would always aim for the blockbuster drugs, the, mm-hmm. the statins and those sorts of things. Because and with a blockbuster being a one drug that could treat lots and lots and lots of patients, mm-hmm. we haven't had a blockbuster drug for a long time uh, because we've kind of grabbed a lot of the low hanging fruit. <laughs> With right. those statins uh, and, 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 and drugs like that. And now we're seeing more and more of the personalized medicine. And that's also changing the whole drug industry because the, the, the business model used to be based on the we got to get that blockbuster. Right. Well, now the blockbuster is, well, we need to get a treatment for Michael. Right. Uh, and those are still important treatments, uh, but uh, it really changes the business model. And I think that's one of the things that we're trying to capitalize on here at the Gear Center in biomedical engineering on the Discovery District is some of those changes in personalized medicine. And maybe to, you know, like I said, try to anticipate in the next five, 10 years, just, you know, locally what we're doing. What do you think the next kind of big developments that we're going to see from the Gear Center? And that could be, 
you know, amazing grants that we receive, you know, drugs or or um, devices that we develop. I mean, what are we maybe on the cusp of achieving here? What I've been focusing on for the past couple of years is really getting, I, I, I think our students and probably the graduate students in particular, just because they've got more of, a, more of the science foundation than the undergraduate students, but I'm finding a lot of our students that are applying to the program are really interested in entrepreneurship and getting companies started. So the past couple of years I've been working to, and the department's been working to equip the students with the technical tools that they need to come up with ideas to solve these problems. You know, having clinicians that we work with, industry that we work with, so we can see what those real problems are that we can help to solve. And then getting students familiar with some of the ways that they can fund their their, their, their business ideas. There's this, the small business innovation research program and those sorts of things are, are good ways that you can bring in federal dollars uh, to help fund it. So that's, that's kind of an emerging initiative that we have here is to uh, get more companies that are growing out of research that's happening both in faculty labs as well as just being derived by uh, the students themselves. You know, what advice maybe would you give um, a high school student who is maybe interested in science but maybe didn't understood, you know, doesn't understand what a career in that looks like, right? What advice maybe would you give them to help them prepare um, for a program maybe someday like this? Make a phone call. Um, uh, we, I try to have a lot of high school students and even middle school students coming out here to the Gear Center, and a lot of them are, uh, I think, kind of amazed to see what we have going on. Uh, and we try to uh, have as many as possible just come through and see what the opportunities and options are, because that, that is one of the challenges that I think we have here in South Dakota. Is this is an emerging area? Nobody, nobody knows about it, right? Uh, and so, through things like this podcast media we need to just spread the, the 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 word that these sorts of cool things are going that these these careers are possible i i you know this this the story that i have to tell i i grew up about three and a half miles from where we're sitting right now okay uh yeah i i i, I went to uh the uh, washington high school you know everybody calls it the pavilion now but uh, uh august standing here <laughs> and but back in the in the late 80s early 90s there were no jobs for scientists at all uh, and so uh, my wife and I you know, headed off to graduate school in Michigan State. We really wanted to get back to South Dakota. Uh, we could get as close as Fargo, <laughs> North Dakota, because uh, uh, Fargo was actually North Dakota was probably leading South Dakota at that time in terms of uh, technology-based economic mm -hmm. development. I think South Dakota has caught up uh, to that. But we just need to get people more aware of these sorts of opportunities. So having news stories about the USD Discovery District and right. SAB Biotherapeutics <laughs> and, and Alumen and all these great things that are happening here so s kids can see that these are a possibility because 20 years ago you didn't know it. Right. Well, and that kind of leads me into maybe the last question that we like to ask and it's a little bit reflective. You just talked about you know your experience. You, you um, got a PhD, correct? Yep. Yep. Um, you know, at Michigan State in Lansing. Um, you I think are in an interesting field that is always on the cutting edge. I mean, that's the point, right, of biomedical engineering mm -hmm. is you want to, you know, find um, ways to help people, um, you know, cope or, or, you know, live fuller, more meaningful lives. Um, I'm just curious, you know, at this point in your life, what do you know for sure? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm always learning. Um, I, I think that's actually one of 
that that'd be one of my criticisms of fellow scientists. I think as we te- we, we, we 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 tend to uh, believe we know too much. Uh, this this fall when we kind of launched our undergraduate programming, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching the, the introductory, intro, introductory integrated science courses. Uh, and one of the things that I've really tried to impress upon the students is that we really don't know anything. Um, when, when you look at science is always evolving, is always changing. But I think oftentimes through our education system, everybody thought, well, this science, these are facts. This is the way it is. And, and no, we're just kind of figuring it out. Uh, Everything that we do is really just a model. We, we develop a model to describe what we observe, and that model may change, and we need to, as, as, as scientists, be open to that model changing as new information comes in. And so that's what I'm trying to really build into the integrated science curriculum uh, is a different way of thinking about science because too often we get taught science is this. It's hard. Right. It's determined. And no, nah, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the cool stuff is happening at the frontier, and, it's, it, and that, that, that frontier is always changing, and how that is changing is actually cha- the changes that we observe, we have to remember, are really influencing those models that we've developed in many cases in the sciences you know, a, a century or more ago. Um, Dan, this was an interesting conversation. We're excited to see what comes next from the Gear Center. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Credit Hour a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. Listening is 100% of the grade, so we hope you enjoyed the episode. Next week, we interview Stanley May, professor of chemistry and inventor here at USD. Until next time, go Yotes.